0: Chapters 63 through 66 of *Tristram Shandy*, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Drury. *The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman*, Volume 3 by Laurence Stern Chapters 63 through 66. CHAPTER 63. We are now going to enter upon a new scene of events. Leave we then the breeches in the tailor's hands, with my father standing over him with his cane, reading him, as he sat at work, a lecture upon the lattice clavis, and pointing to the precise part of the waistband where he was determined to have it sewed on. Leave we my mother, truest of all the poco curantes of her sex, careless about it, as about everything else in the world which concerned her that is, indifferent whether it was done this way or that, provided it was but done at all. Leave we slop, likewise, to the full profits of all my dishonors. Leave we poor le fever to recover, and get home from Marseilles as he can. And last of all, because the hardest of all, let us leave, if possible, myself. But tis impossible. I must go along with you to the end of the work. Chapter 64 If the reader has not a clear conception of the root and a half of ground which lay at the bottom of my Uncle Toby's kitchen garden, and which was the scene of so many of his delicious hours, the fault is not in me, but in his imagination, for I am sure I gave him so minute a description I was almost ashamed of it. When fate was looking forwards one afternoon, into the great transactions of future times, and recollected for what purposes this little plot, by a degree fast bound down in iron, had been destined. She gave a nod to nature. "'Twas enough. Nature threw half a spadeful of her kindliest compost upon it, with just so much clay in it, as to retain the forms and angles and indentings, and so little of it, too, as not to cling to the spade and render works of so much glory nasty in foul weather. My uncle Toby came down, as the reader has been informed, with plans along with him, of almost every fortified town in Italy and Flanders. So let the Duke of Marlborough, or the Allies, have set down before what town they pleased, my uncle Toby was prepared for them. His way, which was the simplest one in the world, was this. As soon as ever a town was invested, but sooner when the design was known, to take the plan of it, let it be what town it would, and enlarge it upon a scale to the exact size of his bowling green, upon the surface of which, by means of a large roll of pack-thread and a number of small piquets driven into the ground, at the several angles and redans he transferred the lines from his paper, then taking the profile of the place with its works determine the depths and slopes of the ditches the talus of the glacis and the precise height of the several banquets parapets and such he set the corporal to work and sweetly went it on the nature of the soil the nature of the work itself and above all the good nature of my uncle toby sitting by from morning to night and chatting kindly with the corporal upon past done deeds left labor little else but the ceremony of the name When the place was finished in this manner, and put into a proper posture of defense, it was invested, and my uncle Toby and the corporal began to run their first parallel. I beg I may not be interrupted in my story by being told that the first parallel should be at least three hundred toises distant from the main body of the place, and that I have not left a single inch for it. For my uncle Toby took the liberty of encroaching upon his kitchen garden, for the sake of enlarging his works on the Bowling Green, and for that reason generally ran his first and second parallels betwixt two rows of his cabbages and his cauliflowers, the conveniences and inconveniences of which will be considered at large in the history of my uncle Toby's and the corporal's campaigns, of which this I am now writing is but a sketch, and will be finished, if I conjecture right, in three pages, but there is no guessing. The campaigns themselves will take up as many books, and therefore I apprehend it would be hanging too great a weight of one kind of matter, in so flimsy a performance as this, to rhapsodize them, as I once intended, into the body of the work. Surely they had better be printed apart. We'll consider the affair. So take the following sketch of them in the meantime. Chapter 65. When the town, with its works, was finished. My Uncle Toby and the Corporal began to run their first parallel, not at random or anyhow, but from the same points and distances the Allies had begun to run theirs. And regulating their approaches and attacks by the accounts my Uncle Toby received from the daily papers, they went on, during the whole siege, step by step with the Allies. When the Duke of Marlborough made a lodgment, my Uncle Toby made a lodgment too, and when the face of a bastion was battered down or a defense ruined, the Corporal took his mattock and did as much and so on, gaining ground, and making themselves masters of the works, one after another, till the town fell into their hands. To one who took pleasure in the happy state of others, there could not have been a greater sight in world, than on a post-morning, in which a practicable breach had been made by the Duke of Marlborough, in the main body of the place, to have stood behind the hornbeam hedge, and observed the spirit with which my uncle Toby, with trim behind him, sallied forth the one with the gazette in his hand, the other with a spade on his shoulder to execute the contents. What an honest triumph in my uncle Toby's looks as he marched up to the ramparts, what intense pleasure swimming in his eyes as he stood over the corporal, reading the paragraph ten times over to him as he was at work, lest, peradventure, he should make the breach an inch too wide, or leave it an inch too narrow. But when the shamade was beat, and the corporal helped my uncle up it and followed with the colors in his hand to fix them upon the ramparts heaven earth sea but what avails apostrophes with all your elements wet or dry ye never compounded so intoxicating a draught in this track of happiness for many years without one interruption to it except now and then when the wind continued to blow due west for a week or ten days together which detained the flanders mail and kept them so long in torture but still twas the torture of the happy in this track i say did my uncle toby and trim move for many years every year of which and sometimes every month from the invention of either one or the other of them adding some new conceit or quirk of improvement to their operations which always opened fresh springs of delight in carrying them on the first year's campaign was carried on from beginning to end in the plain and simple method i've related in the second year in which my uncle toby took liege and ruramond he thought he might afford the expense of four handsome drawbridges of two of which i have given an exact description in the former part of my work at the latter end of the same year he added a couple of gates with portcullises these last were converted afterwards into orgs as the better thing and during the winter of the same year my uncle toby instead of a new suit of clothes which he always had at christmas treated himself with a handsome sentry-box to stand at the corner of the bowling green betwixt which point and the foot of the glasses there was left a little kind of an esplanade for him and the corporal to confer and hold councils of war upon. The sentry-box was in case of rain. All these were painted white three times over the ensuing spring, which enabled my uncle Toby to take the field with great splendor. My father would often say to York that if any mortal in the whole universe had done such a thing except his brother Toby, it would have been looked upon by the world as one of the most refined satires upon the parade and prancing manner in which Louis the Fourteenth, from the beginning of the war, but particularly that very year, had taken the field. But tis not my brother Toby's nature, kind soul, my father would add, to insult anyone. But let us go on. Chapter 66 I must observe that although in the first year's campaign the word town is often mentioned, yet there was no town at that time within the Polygon. That addition was not made until the summer, following the spring in which the bridges and sentry-box were painted, which was the third year of my Uncle Toby's campaigns. When upon his taking Amberg, Bonn, and Reinberg, and Hoy and Limburg, one after another, a thought came into the corporal's head, that a talk of taking so many towns, without one town to show for it, was a very nonsensical way of going to work, and so proposed to my uncle Toby that they should have a little model of a town built for them, to be run up together of slit deals, and then painted, and clapped within the interior polygon to serve for all. My uncle Toby felt the good of the project instantly, and instantly agreed to it, but with the addition of two singular improvements, of which he was almost as proud as if he had been the original inventor of the project itself. The one was to have the town built exactly in the style of those which was most likely to be the representative with graded windows and the gable ends of the houses facing the streets and such and such as those in ghent and bruges and the rest of the towns in brabant and flanders the other was not to have the houses run up together as the corporal proposed but to have every house independent to hook on or off so as to form into the plan of whatever town they pleased this was put directly into hand, and many and many a look of mutual congratulation was exchanged between my uncle Toby and the corporal, as the carpenter did the work. It answered prodigiously the next summer. The town was a perfect proteus. It was Landon and Trierbach and Saint-Levay and Drusen and Hagenau, and then it was Austin and Menon and Aeth and Dendermond. Surely never did any town act so many parts since Sodom and Gomorrah as my uncle Toby's town did. In the fourth year, my Uncle Toby, thinking a town looked foolishly without a church, added a very fine one with a steeple. Trim was for having bells in it. My Uncle Toby said the metal had better be cast into cannon. This led the way for the next campaign for half a dozen brass field pieces to be planted three and three on each side of my Uncle Toby's sentry box, and in a short time these led the way for a train of somewhat larger, and so on, as must always be the case in hobby horsical affairs, from pieces of half an inch bore till it came at last to my father's jack-boots the next year which was that in which lyell was besieged and at the close of which both ghent and bruges fell into our hands my uncle toby was sadly put to it for proper ammunition i say proper ammunition because his great artillery would not bear powder and twas well for the shandy family they would not for so full were the papers from beginning to the end of the siege of the incessant firings kept up by the besiegers and so heated was my Uncle Toby's imagination with the accounts of them that he had infallibly shot away all his estate. Something, therefore, was wanting as a succedanium, especially in one or two of the more violent paroxysms of the siege, to keep up something like a continual firing in the imagination. And this something, the corporal, whose principal strength lay in invention supplied by an entire new system of battering of his own, without which... This has been objected to by military critics to the end of the world as one of the great desiderata of my Uncle Toby's apparatus. This will not be explained the worse for setting off, as I generally do, at a little distance from the subject. End of Chapters 63-66